Hey everybody, Dave Hodges here, host of The Common Sense Show. Welcome, thank you so much for joining us. This is The Common Sense Show, you know that, that's why you're here. This is a digital platform in part. We're also terrestrial. Take the digital and share it. <laughs> Did, I don't know if you saw Jesse Waters' uh, piece on Fox. Someone sent it to me. And um, it was a YouTube reproduction. He went through New York City asking people who Kamala Harris was and what she's done. We have so many uneducated people about current events today. Please help them. Please send shows like this out, particularly this interview. We have Susan Radford with us, and I got to tell you, this is going to be a terrific interview, continuing in our series. And we got a parallel series going on on TV with regard to the royal family. <laughs> it is, it is uh, royally interesting, uh, to say the least. And it's not one of these TMZ follow them around to see who they're dating. No, this is really important stuff that we're covering. But uh, we've been covering a lot with China on a book that Susan wrote. And uh, we'll be talking about that a little bit more later with regard to her website and her book. And But we're going to be exploring the Chinese connections. And uh, we're also going to get a little bit into the Pope's betrayal of his own religion. And, of course, you know, if you've been following me, I've been writing about that for years when he proposed the merger of Christianity and Islam. And we're going to really get into even a more dire proposal. So we got a full board here. Susan, welcome back to the show. I'm, I'm glad you've agreed to continue this series because it's so in-depth. And I don't think anyone else is covering this. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me, Dave. And I always find our discussions very fascinating. And they, to come they, back. they are. But I, I'm, I'm being serious. I, I tell a lot of my colleagues, you know, I'm good friends with... You know, Paul Preston, Steve Quayle. And I tell these guys, um, some of these guys about the interviews. And I'm going to have to get you on Paul Preston's show because he is a big thing about the Jesuits in California. He knows all the history. And uh, he'd find your stuff fascinating in that area. And I, and I tell them this, and they go, wow, this isn't being covered anywhere else. And it really isn't. This is really an exclusive program, people. This is exclusive information. And you darn sure won't see this on CNN and the controlled opposition Fox News. <laughs> I guarantee you. You'll never see this. Listen, some of the people on Fox News, I think, are pretty good. But the reality is this, is they can only go so far. When's the last time you heard them talk about election integrity? Never. When you know They get a little bit into the vaccine, but they don't really tell you what's in it. <laughs> they don't they don't get into the fact that 97% of a town in Ireland have been vaccinated and 60% of them now have covid. Um they don't get into that stuff. So we get into the stuff that matters here. But Susan, last time you were on we talked about uh China with regard to immigration and how they're controlling the immigration process for their own benefit. Correct. And um and I wanted to ask you a question I neglected to ask last time. I have a source within Pemex, the Mexican oil company, and he tells me that regularly the Chinese officials come in there and tell them what to do, order them what to do. And he said, we're laying pipeline in Mexico that would make you believe we're going to have a military buildup in northern Mexico. And he said, Dave, that furthers your belief about a Red Dawn invasion one day. Do you know anything about that? Um, I, I do not. I, I know that um, Mexico at one point was um, it was controlled by this, I guess, the Spanish monarch, which was then overthrown. Um, it, the regime was overthrown by the Jesuits, who then handed Mexico over to uh, the United States, which was controlled by you know affiliated groups, Jesuits, and so forth. 
Um, and I know that, that Mexico has been trying to reclaim California and all of the um, the former states that um, the different racist groups have you know have argued were stolen from Mexico. You know, groups like La Raza, uh, which are financed by um, by Soros um, and and other globalists. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me that that, that they are trying to do that. Um, I, I think that the fact that the, the Haitians are, are being uh, escorted to the border um, after um, Obama placed them there in 2010, in the two countries that um, are well, actually including Mexico, um, Brazil, Chile, um, and, and Mexico are the three major um, trading partners of the United States, and they are clearly trying to weaponize uh, immigration. Um, against the United States. So it would not surprise me if, you know, they are in fact planning um, a Red Dawn uh, invasion from uh, from Mexico based upon what you're saying. Well, the one thing that supports that too is it's no secret. And uh, my border patrol sources, of which I have two really good ones, tell me that their intel, their intel, what they get in their own briefings before they go out on their daily missions, and they've seen evidence of it as well, that the uh, cartels are now armed like light infantry. They have like mobile MRAPs, uh, automatic weapons, uh, uh, rudimentary surface to air where they could bring down a, a helicopter. And uh, that only could come from one place. They, they didn't manufacture it themselves. Uh, clearly China's supplying them. That's true. It could also be um, our, our own uh, CIA. That's true. Supplying, yeah. you know, yeah. But is, uh, I just wondered if this is not the Chinese version of Fast and Furious. Uh, it could very well be. You know, I think we have to remain vigilant. Yeah, it really is. But I, I really found it interesting about how you link together the control of immigration uh, from China. It, it is definitely weaponized immigration. What do you think? And I went back and I listened to the end of our interview and, and I'm not sure we answered this question entirely. And you can't answer all questions in a 50-minute in a interview. But um, what do you think the end game is for the Chinese with their goal for disruptive mass immigration? What, what are they trying to get at the end of the day? Okay, so I, I think um, on one level, um, China does not believe that it can survive on its own, um, given that much of its land has been polluted. And I, I think they need more resources, like natural resources and land upon which to farm in order to sustain their population. So they're looking forward to a Chinese century. Um, and what they've done is they've sent uh, Chinese immigrants and executives over to Brazil, Chile, Mexico, who are working with those governments, forging deals, engaging in various forms of debt diplomacy, and they're moving um, the people off the land, and in the process that they're able to claim land for themselves. So I've, I've also read that they are um, engaging in different like uh, technological exchanges and, and different partnerships. So I, I think that they, they want to move uh, the people off the land and then America, of course, um, has a very strong control grid over it. Like they, like the elites have been building a control system over America. So if the immigrants come into America, they will owe their um, allegiance to China, essentially, since they will be uh, given jobs. They'll be subsidized by the taxpayer. You know, they'll be given the opportunities that they need. In other words, they will be rendered dependent. And then by b being dependent, they'll have to um, you know, carry out the will of those who... You know, upon whose um, 
uh, good graces they depend, which would be, you know, the, um, the immigra- immigration groups and government leaders who then answer to China. Hmm. Wow. That's really, uh, <laughs> you're making me think here. The wheels, you can probably hear the wheels grinding here in my right. head. That's a really insightful statement you just made. Um, because I have to draw this conclusion from what you said. Because events don't happen in isolation. If loyalty is going to be to China, and clearly the Democrats think they're importing Democratic voters eventually. Mm-hmm. That's why the push for amnesty. Um, by the way, they're going to spend $100 billion in this uh, reconciliation bill towards amnesty uh, uh, propaganda. The... Uh, that means the Democrats are in bed with the Chinese on this immigration issue. They're working hand in hand with them. I mean, that's the only thing I can conclude from what you just said. Uh, they, they always have been, but I, I don't think they necessarily need Democratic voters since they've already, you know, rigged the political system True. to secure votes for themselves. Yep. Um, but they they have built um, a very lucrative cottage industry around uh, immigration. So you have a lot of Democrats and, unfortunately, some conservatives uh, who are involved in subsidized housing, Section 8, for immigrants who get um, preferential housing uh, uh, backed by the taxpayer um, over those of, of needy Americans. Um, and, of course, if the, uh, the taxpayer can provide them with free education, free medical care, free housing, um, then they can afford to take jobs at a lower wage than Americans, and many Americans are, of course, being pushed out of their jobs or being offered um, salaries that um, are not, you know, that would not sustain them properly. So essentially, you're looking at these uh, immigrant forces, invading forces, taking jobs away from Americans and owing their allegiance to uh, to China. Hmm. It's a very dangerous mix, and and I think um, the uh, Im- immigration is a very lucrative, lucrative um, industry, and uh, to see that. You only need to look at the uh, the government contracts that are given to community organi- community organizations that are helping these groups come into America. Well, the Catholic Charities groups comes to mind, and so I'm going to also jump into another side of this too. You have Democrats, you have Chinese, and you have the Jesuits, and then of course you've got the UN. That's obvious. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Um, did you agree with the Jesuit connection because of the Catholic Charities? Um, I, I don't know that the, the Jesuits are specifically involved in, uh, in in these particular groups. They tend to be organized by um, poor folks, like community organizers who um, are organized by the churches um, at a higher level. And the, uh, the church congregations are... Um, are mobilized to kind of lobby on behalf of of the elites. So originally, you'd have um, you know that the church people would uh, form their own uh, or own opinions on what what policies to back, what you know policies corresponded or resonated with their their value system. Today, you have um, global structures like the World Council of Churches, the Vatican, and they uh, claim to speak for all of the congregations that are, um, you know, that are, that are that follow down from the umbrella, you know, that they they hold above the other other churches. So 
they um, in turn mobilize community organizations to go and lobby government um, to you know to help Im immigrants come come to America to help provide them with with support to get, you know to get them connected to jobs and housing and medical care. Um, I haven't seen the Jesuits specifically. Um, I would think that they would be involved in maybe you know working on intelligence and more sophisticated operations. Uh, most of the, the immigration is um, controlled by kind of grassroots activists who truly believe, at least many of them do, that they are doing a, a good charitable thing, you know, by bringing needy people into the U.S. Well, I think at the grassroots level, yeah, that people have to believe in what they're doing for the most part. I do agree with that. Um, we're helping people who need help. Um, mm -hmm. Just is the goal of uh, Chinese-based immigration, is it, to deculturize America, to make America um, lose its identity. That, that's part of it. Um, they they know that Americans, Amer you know, especially white Christian Americans, are very individualistic. So they have wanted to destroy an individualistic uh, white America, and I think by flooding the country with a lot of um, uh, groups of, of people who um, are antagonistic to the West or who are conditioned to believe that you know white people are the enemy, they will come in and serve as a conquering force where they feel entitled to benefits and um, you know once the the government is able to establish a uh, a tradition based upon dependency, you have you know entire groups of people who you know are e easily uh, controllable. So I think th that's part of it, and I think they also want to uh, to bankrupt. Um, the U, you know, the uh, the U.S. government, which, which which they've you know largely already done, but by bringing more and more people into the country, um, who who are dependents and who are going to be you know living off of uh, benefits, entitlements, and so forth, um, I, I think you're you're creating a heavier weight upon uh, the federal government, a greater tax burden, and mm -hmm. in turn, you know, the, those white Americans who might have you know who might be in the uh, the rapidly shrinking middle class um, will have will face even a greater you know tax burden. They're looking at more of a redistribution of wealth from the middle class to the elites on behalf of the poor, even though the the poor only marginally benefit you know from from those resources. So it's um, largely a contribution to an overall wealth redistribution scheme in America. That's part of it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that entirely. I've made the argument for years, I mean years, probably 20 years now, and I've said uh, no matter how good our hearts are, we can't afford to take on millions of people, the schools, the roads, uh, the welfare. Uh, we can't do that. We're not bringing in people based on needs-based immigration. It's, it's basically we're getting people with third to sixth grade educations. We're getting a lot of criminals. We're getting a higher percentage of criminals than exist in the American population. That's what the research studies used to show us 10 years ago. And I can't believe that that's changed. We're not checking. We don't know. And, and of course, the, the criminals will wreak havoc on American society, um, which will provide grounds for you know, um, you know, tighter uh, law, you know, law enforcement measures against the people. Um, and I think they're also, they've also privatized the prisons. Every prisoner um, who, or every person who's incarcerated, um, can enrich the, uh, the the government contractors, you know, who are, you know, working on those prisons. Do you know that's something that's never discussed? I wrote a series of articles. Oh gosh, seven eight years ago maybe, 
on privatized prisons and, and the major corporations that were behind them, like Target, for example. And um, you don't see this anywhere else. You're really one of the first guests who's ever brought this up to me. The privatized prisons. And they were creations largely of the Bush family. Did you know that? that that's correct. I, I did not know that. Yeah, the um, Bush th crime family. Yeah, I, I had a, I interviewed an author, Russ, and I think, can't remember his last name now, Russ Baker, and I interviewed Russ, and he wrote a book called The Bush Crime Family, and uh, he'd actually gotten a lot of attention in Democratic uh, venues on the, in the media because it was against the Bushes, but um, man, he exposed so much of this stuff. But uh, the Bush crime family was behind the privatized prisons to a large extent. But they're typical, you know, um, you know, A owns B, which owns C, which owns D. So they're able to distance themselves from on-the-ground operations. But when you trace the companies back to who the source was, it came back to the Bush crime family. Unbelievable. And H.W. Um, was at the heart of a lot of it. Yeah, and I actually published articles that talked about the lineage of this, and a lot of it was based on Russ's work, which was really, really good. Um, that's phenomenal. What were the Bushes' relationship with China? Uh, this is something that I've never asked before, but was there one? There was one. Um, uh, George Herbert, Herbert Walker Bush um, accompanied Nixon uh, to the there was a, a CIA safe house, and I believe in, in Manhattan, in New York, so he accompanied Kissinger uh, to those meetings with um, communist Chinese leaders where they were kind of plotting how they wanted to um, you know, engage communist China um, against the United States. And uh, Bush was also, I believe he was um, the head of the liaison office to China, and I believe he was also ambassador to Taiwan. But he was working um, under the Nixon administration, which normalized relationships with China. And CIA director, and, and CIA director, and mm -hmm. I think he he salivated over um, the vast markets. You had um, uh, a, a, an untapped market, I think, of a billion. I don't know what it was that a billion or 1.5 billion people um, who could provide cheap labor, and who also did not have all of the material items that we have here in the West. So they would, you know, purchase um, really everything that um, a modern society needs from um, the multinationals. I think he he was trying to you know establish a market for uh, the multinationals as well. Interesting. Um, so he was in on it from the beginning. Yes, he was. And there's something else about China I always wondered, and uh, people don't address this much, but I remember Hank Paulson, uh, former Secretary of Treasury, head of Goldman Sachs, the man who said, if you don't give them the bailout in 2008, you're going to have tanks on the streets. That that Hank Paulson. Uh, I remember him being involved in the creation of these vacant Chinese high-rise apartment buildings in various locations where they were going to move farmers out of the agricultural areas and, and turn them into industrial workers. Whatever happened to that project, the ghost cities? Um, I um, I believe that a lot of them are, are still vacant, and they, they were—they were not built very well. I think a number of them are, are crumbling already. But I, I think um, an, an interesting aspect of this one um, is that a lot of um, our pension funds <laughs> were invested in some of those properties. Um, and two is that um, I believe that uh, 
the investors could only lease the properties like for maybe like 90 or so years, after which point the ownership would return to communist China. So this was a situation where you could you know, potentially lease or rent, but you would never own. That's why Goldman Sachs was involved. Interesting. That's true. Yeah, and Hank Paulson. Hank Paulson was at the center of this. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I didn't get into this really deeply, but I talked about forced mass migration. And what prompted me to write this was an executive order issued by Barack Obama of uh, 3603, I think it was, where he talked about an emergency, I declare, I can seize any resource and I can um, uh, move people to labor camps. Uh, and they even, he even said in there, unpaid, they'll be, these experts will be unpaid. And uh, basically, total domination. And, and when that executive order came out, uh, 13603, that was it. Um, when that came out, I was looking at these Chinese ghost cities and I said, well, how are they going to get the people there? And then I started hearing stories about forced relocation that the Chinese troops would roll into a village and they would say, you got 30 minutes to pack up your stuff. And there were wow. some stories coming out of China that way. Actually, one of these stories came out through my church and we actually mm -hmm. talked to a refugee that, that this had happened in their village. And uh, I thought, how interesting. This parallels what Obama says he can do in an emergency. So yeah, this was a 2011 labor. executive order. Have you ever heard of that 13603? Um, I, I have not. Um, I, I do know that um, that Obama was attempting to to acquire fast track permission uh, to fast track uh, uh, workers from uh, Latin America into the U.S. and to allow them to take American jobs. That's true. That's true. But uh, that I should probably send you a link on this because this executive order is very telling for times of stress and how far these presidents think they can go. Um, it, you know, I wrote, gosh, I probably have written on an aspect of this executive order probably about 15 times in, through the years since they published this. But I was really disturbed. They can control all food. Um, I wrote an article once. I said Obama's executive order uh, reintroduces slavery to America. And I talked about the compulsory uh, assignment of people to labor camps. And it's right in there. It says it directly. Let me see. I'll, let me go to my uh, document here and I'll pull it up. Okay, this is it, Section 502. The head of each agency otherwise delegated functions is delegated to the president of the authority to employ persons of outstanding experience and ability without compensation and to employ experts, consultants, or organizations to the benefit of the U.S. government, the authority delegated by this section may not be redelegated. That's pretty clear, isn't it? It's slave labor. It's slave labor. <laughs> Section 502, Executive Order 13603. That's why I got interested in these uh, stories of forced relocation in China to the ghost cities. Because I said, gee, is one force doing the same thing in both countries? We got the planning part here in America, and they're doing the actual thing in China? You're looking at um, the shadow Rothschilds um, controlling, you know, both sides, and you know we they have a you know a human resources department. Um, they don't view us as individuals, but as assets to be exploited to enrich their their companies, you know, to generate profits for them. So I'm not surprised, and, and of, of course they um, they want the taxpayer to support uh, 
as much as possible the housing and, and other um, infrastructure and support for the workers so they can maximize their profits and invest as little as possible in the, in the, in the people as they can. Yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> I mean, we're even seeing this on the, the micro level with Medicare. As I've dug into some of these bills in Congress, um, on the surface, they're disguise they're they're disguising what they're doing to the elderly. And I mean, the the Biden administration, they want to give a six percent increase in Social Security benefits. And they go, oh, well, that's really good. Thank you, Biden. You're so nice. But behind the scenes, they're they're really cutting back on the medications they're going to make available, and people could be in dire straits health wise because of this. Um, but at the same time, uh, China is producing the medication. Yeah, exactly. So it could be a blessing in disguise. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> I did a podcast last night. It was kind of tongue-in-cheek, and it was an eight-minute podcast, and I said, um, uh, what's the one product that we don't have to worry about being on holding pattern off a port on the West Coast? And uh, so, theme to Jeopardy plays. Come back and say... <laughs> It's anything manufactured within the United States. And this is what needs to happen. We need to get an economic divorce from China. We need to go back to, uh, to, to reinvesting in the United States. And we, we have enough energy and natural resources here you know, for us to be energy uh, independent you know, for, for centuries. You know, we don't need to rely upon uh, foreign countries. We have you know, beautiful, uh, beautiful natural resources, environment. Uh, environments and, and everything that we need to build, you know, a solid industrial base and to be entirely self-sufficient. Um, unfortunately, the globalists have wanted to um, to compromise that to link us into uh, dependencies and interdependencies with foreign nations, so that we can no longer act within our own interests. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, that's exactly right. I couldn't agree with you more. Well, before we leave this topic here, I want to just go off in a different direction, and I'm hoping. And I suspect you'll have information on this. Soros is heavily involved in the immigration, and that's stating the obvious, mm -hmm. I know. And he's heavily involved in China, has been. He's heavily involved in helping prosecutors get elected in communities that are basically turning their back on the rule of law and letting murderers run, run and roam the streets of America, um, like the Attorney General in Illinois. And, and when you look at it, Soros's influence here to criminalize America at the local level, uh, have the thugs, you know, run wild, immigration, election fraud, uh, which he's tied into. This is what my research has found. Who does Soros answer to? We never hear this. Who is his immediate supervisor? Do you know? Um, I would have to say that you know he he would ultimately answer to uh, to the Rothschilds, and what you're describing is um, a, a playbook that, that they've always gone by. Um, they want to uh, have freedom, but but not they are promoting freedom, but not freedom uh, freedom of conscience. It's freedom to do as they want, you know, to engage in, in looting, hate speech, you know, against the you know the, the main culture, um, and to engage in any number of criminal acts to uh, tear society apart, to be able to loot and plunder um, without consequence. At the same time, um, you know, they have, uh, uh, they've criminalized um, basic human behavior such that the average American today um, commits at least two felonies a day. So a law-abiding citizen could be thrown into prison um, under, by, you know, violating a law that they didn't even know exists 
existed while you know the criminals are are free to run rampant, as we saw during uh, you know the Black Lives Matter rampages, you know, through through the cities. Hmm. And, and so it's a kind of revolutionary. Go ahead. Well, on the lines of China too, um, I, I'm I don't know if you remember hearing this in the news, but on three instances. Um, Antifa was busted with weapons caches. This actually came from Doug Erickson, who was in the DHS at the time, and he was involved in one of these. Um, and they busted these weapons caches uh, for Antifa, and China was the source. Wow. I'm not surprised. But, but again, when we look at, at China, you're looking at you know who controls China. Um, China is controlled by um, our multinationals and by the Rothschilds and, and ultimately the Vatican. So... You know they are working behind the mask of China hmm. <laughs> to promote um, a communist agenda. Well, um, I do want to get into the religion part of it too, but first we're going to take a break here and we're going to kind of roll everything into one here because I hate to interrupt the flow of this. It's so interesting. So, ladies and gentlemen, I just wanted to come back and just tell you every day there's a new reason to tell you the food supply chain is in trouble. Um, there is one positive benefit, though. I did a podcast early this morning, and I talked about how a lot of young corporates are quitting their jobs and going to work on farms because they're tired of the, the corruption, and that's is what they cite. I, I wouldn't say it's a huge trend, but it is, it is an interesting developing trend. But uh, that's one positive on the food supply. But ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, the food supply is big, 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 big trouble big trouble we're eating next year's harvest and every farmer i talk to of any substance tells me the same thing they're all worried the government's paying people not to grow food in fact they're coercing them with threatening them uh, you won't get your insurance if something happens if you don't go along with what we say it's just outright uh coercion from the uh, usda ladies and gentlemen a lot of you know this is all true and you've procrastinated when hyperinflation hits and we're close. We were in a restaurant last night and we looked at the prices on the new menu. They went up about 20 to 25%. Hyperinflation's on our doorstep. I can't say what's going to trigger it, what day it's going to occur, what month it's going to occur, but it is going to occur. People are running from the petrodollar. It's the only backing we've had for a long time and we've got impossible debt. And if we pass this reconciliation bill, you're going to wish you had about 10 years worth of food. Right now, the recommendation is two years. That's what the experts say, Bob Griswold, Daisy Luther, two years plus seeds. We can help you with that. A lot of the storable food companies aren't in business now. You may have seen that they can't deliver their product. Some of them are out of business until January. Well, not us. MPS is cruising right along. Business as usual, because when the pandemic hit, we got our butt kicked. We fell six, eight weeks behind in delivery, and they did what they needed to do to fix it, and that's carrying us through what we're going through right now. You need to get what you can get while you can get it. Restaurant quality food, you know, it's not, it, I'm going to say it's not gourmet, it's not organic, but it's good. It's palatable and it's diverse. And you'll get different uh, kinds of uh, foodstuffs here. And, and people just say, Dave, I could live on this. You could, absolutely. Um, you're going to get a nice discount. That's all available for information at preparewithdave.com. Please do not let the grass grow under your feet on this, folks, because... You can't trust this government to feed you. They left a thousand American citizens behind enemy lines in Afghanistan. You think they're going to take care of your food needs? <laughs> think again. That's preparewithdave.com. Also, too, it is my belief, and I've acted upon this belief because I went from advertiser to customer, that uh, 
an organization like Noble Gold can help bulletproof your, your assets. We're not going to get through what's coming without taking hits. All of us are going to take hits. But and you don't want to be totally devastated. Get your money the heck out of the bank. Use operating capital. Get into alternative investments and know how to manage this. And this is what Noble Gold specializes in. And after I advertised for them for two years, I said, these guys know what they're talking about. And I became a customer. They can help you. No pressure. They'll send you material for free. They'll give you all the information you want for free. And they'll never pressure you. They make you close the deal. That's how they're trained. You know, I know Colin Plume, the owner, very well. And he said, this is why we want to do business, Dave. We don't pressure people into doing anything with their assets. But we're going to help them get through what's coming. And we all agree what's coming. All of us agree. So what are you going to do? Well, you can call them. You owe it to your family if you have assets to protect. 877-646-5347. That's 877-646-5347. So uh, I just want to be honest with you here, folks. I have the food. <laughs> I, 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 I am a client of Noble Gold. And on this next product, our satellite phone, yeah, I've got a sat phone. And people say, Dave, is it expensive? That's the first question people ask me. I pay one-fourth the cost for my sat phone as I do for my cell phone bill. And this sat phone will probably survive communications takedowns. I say probably because I don't know the latest thing the government has up their sleeve. But I know right now if they could interfere in sat phone communications, they would. And they're not because they'd have to take too many of their own systems down. And so this sat phone's terrific. It's also good for emergencies. You're in an area where your cell phone doesn't work. Well, the sat phone will. If you get outside and can see the sky, your sat phone will work. And I always say it's a good thing to have. You don't want to be about communication. And when America rises up against this tyranny, the continuity of government plans get kick in. They'll shut the cities down. They'll encircle us. They'll shut the power off. They'll shut the Internet off. They'll shut off your cell phones and your landlines. This could be the only form of communication you have left, except for the few short waves and ham radios that are available. So I highly recommend you look at the sat phone. 855 980-5830. That's 855-980-5830. And I want you to know on this show with advertising, I put my money where my mouth is. Um, Susan, uh, I really want to get into the uh, issue that we talked about in our pre-air discussion. It was fascinating. And you were talking about uh, the Pope, and he has some ulterior motives with regard to the Catholic religion in the Vatican. Uh, yes. So um, this was actually reported um, a few days ago um, on True News. Um, and I can quote, this is uh, from the LifeSite News website. And um, on that site, um, Archbishop, Archbishop Bigliano stated, we realize that Pope Francis is carrying out the task entrusted to him by the globalist elite, which wants him to be the liquidator of the Catholic Church and the founder of a philanthropic ecumenical sect of Masonic inspiration that is meant to constitute a universal religion in support of a new world order. Um, and the context in which this statement emerged was that the, um, the uh, Prime Minister of France brought before the Pope, um, I guess, grievances from all of the, the pedophile allegations against the priest to, to the Vatican. And the Vatican, in turn, is going to have to pay, pay restitution to the victims. So potentially you're looking at you know, millions, hundreds of millions to billions of dollars that the Catholic Church will have to pay out. If that happens, what will potentially happen is that the Catholic Church will be liquidated and then it will, will cease to exist. Um, 
And when they're talking about an ecumenical religion, what, what that means is merging the different religions of the world, um, Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Catholicism, all into um, one umbrella organization controlled by a globalist um, hierarchy that will determine the values and the agenda for the world. So this could be um, like a universal religion of the type that the East Asians, Central Asians, have been pr- uh, promoting um, you know, for, for quite a while now. So it's the New World Order religion. Wow. That's all i got to say as well. Listen, I know enough about this that what you're saying makes perfect sense to me. Perfect sense. Um, is this the back door to destroy people's faith in Jesus and um, in the Christian religion? Um, it is in, in a sense. Um, I, I believe that that has largely already happened. Um, when the ecumenical movement started, it, it was pitched to the, the Christian community as, as a way for them to conserve resources by, you know, having different denominations um, um, exist under the same um, church establishment. Um, but eventually it came, you know, and they also wanted to have um, the, the Christian denominations united under the spiritual leadership of Jesus Christ. But what it has come to represent instead is a material unity of the Christian religion, where they they have um, uh, kind of gutted the substance of the religion to, um, you know, since the, 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 the denominations have many, you know, uh, disparate tenets and uh, belief systems that are not entirely compatible. So in order for them to merge, you have to, you know, take out the substance of the, of the religion and to have like an amorphous, you know, feel-good type of Christianity that means nothing and can be used... Um, to mobilize, you know, the Christians to believe whatever you want them to believe. So just as we have now a living constitution, we have a living Bible. And that Bible can be reinterpreted generation after generation after generation to suit the globalist agenda. So that's maybe a long, uh, a long way, way of answering that, you know, that what, what you're asking is, um, is absolutely correct. Weaponizing that's religion true. against freedom. Correct. That's correct. Hmm. And actually, too, it serves a lower purpose, um, stealing the potential of the soul in the afterlife. This is true. It's becoming a material um, religion, like a very materialistic religion, um, which is rejecting or even not even acknowledging Jesus as Lord and Savior. So the way that they will... Um, use ecumenicism is they would say, for example, well, a good Christian would support open borders. You know, don't you want to be charitable and, and, and give to others? A good Christian would support Obamacare because you want to support the least of these, even though Obamacare, you know, drove up the price of health care. You're actually putting it out, out of the reach of, of many um, middle-class middle workers. So you use religion as a way to kind of coerce and, and guilt-trip Christians into supporting an agenda that really suits the, the corporate and the elite um, agenda. There was a series on, um, gosh, I think it was USA Network, called Colony. And uh, you didn't see the aliens much. The aliens had uh, devastated the Earth, and then they put this um, um, puppet government in charge, and it was extremely uh, ruthless. It was high-tech martial law, Chinese-style. And um, in in the show, 
one of the things that they portrayed was the arrival of these aliens and you never really saw the aliens everything was about the interaction between the uh, puppet government and and the people struggle for freedom but the there was a religion that formed that they called this the great arrival and that someday the aliens would come to earth and it was kind of like champion is like the second coming of christ you know in the book of revelations and i'm sorry long-winded explanation here to get to my point um one of the things that my father told me about was he stumbled across something called uh, project Bluebeam in the 1980s told me about it in 1984 but he learned about it from a retired colleague of his and he was able to confirm it and now this is not uncommon knowledge among people that do what i do and project Bluebeam is the um high-tech alien invasion fake invasion of the earth designed to get uh, nations to give up their sovereignty unite under one global governance um, but also to to invoke a single religious aspect that would be used to control the people is that where this is headed is there any chance that this pro this is part of project bluebeam um it's it is. It's part of this wider globalist agenda, and I don't know that they will be able to use the space alien narrative now because I think too many people are aware of it and would likely see through it. But um, for generations, at least since the, the world wars, um, the uh, the elites have been promoting the idea of a, of a living God. And the living God was meant to be um, an individual who assumes the, the, the level or the nature of a God, such that um, you would, they would create a scenario that would put human, the very existence, the extent, existential essence of humanity in peril, and then to have that individual or group of individuals come in and rescue humanity. In turn, they expected the people to worship them as a god, as a living god. Maybe climate, so change, of, maybe of climate change will fit that model. Correct climate change, and you can see, you know, that they are moving in that direction with the Great Reset. And that makes sense if they're going to do an economic overhaul. They would also do a religious overhaul. Um, that's interesting. So, I hadn't considered so, that in that that respect. But what the Pope is saying, in which you just uh, recounted, it sounds a lot like uh, this goes hand in hand with the reset. It really does, and um, in in Christianity, you know, Christians rely upon God for for their material and, and spiritual welfare. Um, under um, an elite structure, you would rely upon the globalists for for your money, for your you know guaranteed income, your housing, your food. Um, you, you would not look to the Bible, but look to the globalists for how to think, for what values you should espouse. Um, within a Christian system. You know, God will bless those who serve Him, and sometimes provide you with um, with challenges to enable you to grow spiritually. Within a globalist system, since they control so many different aspects of society, they can determine who wins, who loses, who will get the promotion, who who will fail. So they they want to um, to kind of act as God, to be as God, to be worshipped. You know, at the pinnacle of society. Um, Hmm. So they'll be assuming that the you know the powers that they believe God has. 
And this is why they're looking first to unify the religions before they bastardize them. I think they've already bastardized them. <laughs> okay. Give us an example. I agree with you. I think through, um, I think you're right. But give me an example of how they bastardize Christianity. Gosh, there, there are so many. Um, okay. Uh, they have um, originally uh, Christianity uh, was of held held the belief or the, the adherents of Christianity believed that you would love the sinner but hate the sin. So a, a homosexual um, would be, you know, would be welcome into the Christian fold, but then the Christian view would be that, you know, that they would um, counsel the homosexual to, to come, you know, to come to God or to, you know, if he decided that, um, you know, that homosexuality was a, a sin, that, that the Christians would be there to provide, you know, support um, to lead them into a, a heterosexual uh, lifestyle. But, but that person would not be judged or would not be condemned. Um, what they've done now is they have uh, promoted, they've, they've, had, they've mobilized the church behind homosexuality to not only be tolerant of homosexuality, but, the, but to promote it as a lifestyle. And I saw how they were actually promoting homosexuality into um, the Boy Scouts. And the Boy Scouts were created by by Christians, you know, to um, instill good moral character, you know, within young boys. Um, there were, there was a lot of outcry against what they were trying to do on grounds that you know if you're bringing um, pe uh, pedophiles and homosexuals into the Boy Scouts, that potentially some you know you're putting um, children in harm's way, and potentially some of those children could be molested. The church, in turn, uh, accused the detractors of hate speech and said that you're not being tolerant. It's unchristian to even think like that. And, of course, the inevitable happened. Uh, a number of boys were molested um, by these uh, pedophile priests, or not pedophile priests, but pedophile um, homosexual leaders. And the, um, the Boy Scouts ended up being disbanded. Interesting. That's uh, it, it parallels the church. What you described is the it sounds like the process they're going to take the church down on. You have enough scandal along these lines, these same lines. The church goes, the church goes away, or is, is forced to consolidate and fold, um, or fold and consolidate, I should say. And then uh, the Boy Scout, Scouts too. Did the Boy Scouts evolve into anything else? Um, that's a good question. I, I believe that they, they have disbanded altogether. I know that they were trying to bring girls into the Boy Scouts, even though the girls had their own Girl Scout unit. Yeah, I know. Um, which is very kind of odd. That's really interesting. Like, so um, are we going to see Chrislam, or are we just going to see a general unification? Um, I, I think if you look at like, where the, the Christian evangelical leaders are taking us, they're they're moving us into a, a universal religion of, of peace um, and a global unity. But ironically, a number of you know the greatest warmongers are supporters supporters of this movement, including, for example, Dick Cheney, you know, who's a great proponent of, of the you know the Iraq War. Um, so they're moving us into like a, a universal religion where you'll believe in nothing at all, you'll believe in anything, and uh, your values will be shaped by what the global elites tell you that you have to believe if you want to advance or exist in their societies. Wow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is, uh, 
this is incredible. But if we read Revelations and we take it as literal world, th this work will not be completed. Um, that's true. Now, if you um, b believe in the story of Jesus, you know, which you know, I do, um, Jesus uh, um, predicted what would happen. He predicted the end times. And his predictions were encoded in the Rosencrucian cosmology. Um, and he did uh, predict the, the end times, and he said that the world would become very, very wicked. Every institution, every um, facet of society would become unbelievably corrupt. And I believe that this is where we are now. And then once um, the corruption had reached this, you know, um, extreme uh, state, very dark state, that um, there would be a judgment, and then from that judgment, the the evildoers would, would be um, brought to justice, and a new world would be, would emerge from um, from the ashes, and the new world would be based upon integrity, virtue, you know, and, and the you know revival of, of of Christianity and the you know the God. Um, you know, the God-sanctioned world. Yeah, but there's that little obstacle that we usually call the tribulation. In other words, there's going, to be, there's going to be literally hell to pay. There's where the phrase comes from. There's going to be hell to pay in the tribulation. First three and a half years are, are relatively calm and look good, and then all hell breaks loose. And... Um, I don't know that we're in the tribulation yet. Some people think we're in the glorious three and a half, but I said there's nothing glorious about where we're at. I, I think there has to be a fake cleansing go on. What do you think? Um, I know that o Obama was viewed as the uh, the antichrist, and that the second coming of Christ was to follow uh, after his administration. Um, that hasn't happened yet. Um, I do believe that we are um, experiencing judgment as a country and as a people. Um, Amer America has sinned terribly, and you know we're we're seeing the collapse of our society as a result of you know not adhering to our Judeo-Christian values. I would agree I, with I that. Mm -hmm. But Obama's not done. I would say this too. He's serving out his third term right now. Everyone I talk to in the know, and even in politics, they'll tell you privately Obama and Susan Rice are controlling the Biden administration. I, I believe in that, and I believe also that um, Obama was recruited by the Bushes, by the Bush senior, um, since I believe his father was uh, a mercenary um, in, in one of um, Bush's armies, and I think it was in, in Indonesia. So he was recruited, and then um, Obama was, was groomed uh, for the role that he would play. Hmm. The Weatherman Underground, the leaders of that, recruited Obama for politics. Bill Ayers. And how, true. Well, I, I used to interview Larry, the late Larry Grathwell. He was an FBI informant. And he was sent to penetrate the Weatherman Underground. And people think it was a hippie group. It was not a hippie group at all. These were highly educated, master's degree type people from Ivy League schools. Bill Ayers' dad, Tom Ayers, was the head of Con Ed. Uh, they, were, they were not, they were communist. Uh, they were Marxist. They were in the form that we see today in our government, and this is what they wanted to bring America. And they found Obama, uh, Bill Ayers did, and he actually uh, launched his uh, state senatorial campaign uh, from his Hyde Park, Chicago home. I know that for a fact. Uh, this came to us from Larry Grathwall, who uh, used to come on various shows like ours and, and tell the stories. 
And uh, Bill Ayers is still active. He visited Obama in the White House years later. We're talking uh, Bill Ayers was around 1968, Weatherman Underground, uh, recruited Obama in the 80s. Was it 80s, early 90s? But anyway, he recruited him and uh, has been with him every step of the way. Um, and um, I don't. I think. And, I think Obama is is here to stay. I don't think he's done. So mm-hmm. people, if people think he's the Antichrist, I don't have an opinion on that. But if they think he is, and his presidency has ended, I would say don't make that judgment based on the ending of his presidency. He's still very much in control. Are you aware of the EFA? I, I am not. It's his private police force, and it's numerous thousands that do his bidding. It's like an organized Antifa, but they're very covert. It sounds like an, um, an offshoot of his one of his community organizations. Yeah, except they're militaristic. True. Uh, Antifa's just rabble-rousers. They're not militaristic. BLM is not militaristic. Uh, this group is very militaristic. I, I actually looked into this. This is how I actually met my friend, Doug Thornton, who used to be with DHS. He was a friend of Steve Quayle and, and was a confidential source because Doug obviously couldn't say him from DHS and I'm telling you this stuff. But uh, Doug encountered these groups uh, when he was working with DHS. And he had some supervisory capabilities and, and, and leadership responsibilities. And he would encounter them on this level and he was in planning meetings and uh, e- the EFA was off off limits. They couldn't touch Interesting. them. Well, you know, a, a lot of people, you know, just to, to build on what you're saying, a, a lot of people believe that these communist um, and, and militaristic groups are an outgrowth of li- liberalism, but conservatism and liberalism um, are, are moving in lockstep. In fact, um, communist China was was built um, by uh, Yale University, by Skull and Bones, you know, uh, with um, you know Bush uh, yeah. Jr. and Sr. serving as Skull and Bones members. So communism is a movement. It's a phenomenon that is being promoted by corporate America to essentially to, um, to, you know, to redistribute wealth from the people to themselves and to be able to um, terrorize the government into concessions. Yeah, exactly. Require more natural resources and power. You are 100% correct. I've made the argument there's no difference between the Republicans today and the Democrats in Congress. They're, they, Republicans sound like they're for freedom when they go on Fox but they do nothing. Mm-hmm. And we got about 30 seconds left. I want people to you to tell people how they can follow your good work, your website and so forth. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, my website is uh, susanbradford.org. Um, you can find my books uh, and audio books there. Um, and you're also welcome to contact me if you have any questions. Yeah, excellent. Excellent stuff. This is this part of a series we're doing, but um, Susan has some expertise here that... Uh, I don't really have access to a lot of people who have the same expertise, so we keep having her back on. Susan, excellent uh, work again today, and thank you for being all over the map with us, and I look forward to our next discussion. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Thank you.